In this podcast episode, we are going to learn how to harness the power of cognitive science and use it successfully to market your brand and gain loyal customers. Books, guidance, growth. Welcome to When to Read What podcast, and this is Harshal, your host. Hey guys, welcome to When to Read What podcast, and today we have Mr. Sandeep Dayal, who is the author of Branding Between the Years. Sandeep sir is managing director of Serenity and has worked with Fortune 500 companies, including McKinsey, and many of his strategies that he has proposed in his 25 years of career, including viral advocacy and handholding, are mainstream today. And now I can't wait to learn more from him. Hi, Sandeep sir. Welcome to the show. Hello, Harshil. Thank you for having me on your show. I'm looking forward to this conversation. Thank you so much for coming on the show, sir. So, sir, uh, can we just start off the podcast? So, can you please start off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and how you started your own consulting firm, Serenity? Sure, sure. So, Serenity, my consulting company, has actually now been around for 18 years, and I've been doing consulting for. more than 25 years uh, so i started my consulting career at uh, a company called booz allen and uh, then there on went on to join mckinsey um and so those two companies were my the place where i did uh, most of my consulting and then when i left mckinsey i ended up starting serenity and uh, the int- the story is kind of a little interesting as far as this book is concerned because what had happened was that when i was working at uh, mckinsey we had the first dot com crash if you remember that was like somewhere around 2003 and so on that everybody thought that the whole world was going to shift to the internet and for a while all those companies were getting all these fabulous valuations and what have you and then suddenly it all crashed and everybody thought at that time right that people would buy groceries online they would do all of their banking online and so on it didn't happen in 2003 it has happened now we're doing all of those things but it didn't happen then even though the benefits from the from migrating to online were the same and so we started getting a lot deeper and when i say we that at that time i was working with others at mckinsey to get deeper into you know what was making people stop when there were so many benefits to going on online and ultimately the conclusion was that um it was all dependent on behavior and psychology that yes it all made sense to go online but psychologically behaviorally as humans we were not ready to make that transition at that time so that set me off in this direction of really understanding how consumer psychology cognitive psychology um as well as a behavioral science really impacts our choices and um for the last 18 years my company has done a lot of work in that arena in terms of building brands that can be successful by being more successfully by more accurately and more precisely understanding how the human mind works and the book right between the years um is really based on the learnings that we had from actually carrying out that experiment live with some of the biggest brands in the world yeah oh uh, absolutely amazing sir so so my next question is what is the motivation behind writing the book now that's another good question because you know for the longest time um we resisted 
writing anything about what we do because you know this whole cognitive science area and the application of cognitive science to branding was kind of our secret sauce and it's you know it's how my company made money and so we didn't want to necessarily give away our secret sauce to our competitors by publishing a book um, but now it's been 18 years and, um, you know, we are very well established in it. We are the best known name in terms of uh, people that do uh, use cognitive science in marketing and, and branding. So it was time to share that knowledge. And I think even when the pandemic happened, um, it sort of made us all reflect on what's important in life. And, you know, my view is that uh, knowledge is not really knowledge until it is shared, right? So that sort of reflection on that idea made me say that, look, it's time for us to actually get this out in the world, get it out to the next generation of marketers uh, who will take it a lot farther than, uh, than we have. Oh, wow. So, so, so that's an amazing motivation to write a book. <laughs> Certainly, certainly. You know, I think, and I've been very pleased with the outcome because it has given me a chance to speak to people like you and your readers, as well as in many cases, you know, my, my clients, my, most of my conversations are with corporate people who are actually doing this work. Uh, but after writing this book, I've had a lot of opportunity uh, to actually talk to students at universities, uh, both in India and the United States. And uh, that's been very satisfying and, um, uh, you know, gratifying for me. And I've been very grateful to have that experience because uh, I think it is the next generation of uh, marketers that are going to take cognitive science to the next level. And therefore, it's, uh, it's very important for me personally and very satisfying to have that engagement. Yeah. Definitely, sir. Uh, so, sir, in the book, you have introduced a new term, which is cognitive brand. So what is cognitive brand? So what has been happening, Herschel, is that there are a lot of different fields in which there is research taking place on how the human brain works. Okay. And the title of the book, as I mentioned, is Right Between the Years. And why is that? Interestingly enough, uh, when you talk to psychologists, Sometimes they will say to you that everything about sex happens not where you think, but between your ears. And the whole message is that, you know, it's the mind which is processing information and all that we perceive in reality happens there. And therefore, I like to say that everything uh, about brands, their message, what you see on the shelves and everything is really happening right between your ears, uh, in your mind. So then you have to ask the question, well, what's going on in our minds, right? And um, there are a lot of different fields like neuroscience, like um, cognitive psychology, uh, like social anthropology, like li even linguistics, um, where a lot of research and economics, by the way, behavioral economics is a big deal these days. In all of these fields, people have been trying to probe into how the human mind works and specifically how it makes choices. Right now, branding, you know, and all of us buy brands. Branding is all about how do you influence choice when consumers are making choice. So we have to, when we get a better understanding of how the mind works, we get a better understanding of how to influence the mind to make choices. And we are finding out um, that our understanding of how conscious and subconscious choice making 
takes place is getting much more precise, which is a wonderful opportunity for marketers to start using that learning in a very positive way with consumers, with their brands. Uh, yes, sir. So, sir, uh, as far as what I can get uh, after listening to you is that uh, cognitive brands are basically forming a bond with their uh, consumer or customers. So, uh, in today's world, how to create one such brand from scratch? Sure. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, again, a very good a good thing to ponder about. And so, you know, the the first question that we sort of start started to look into as we got deeper into this arena uh, was to sort of ask the question, so what's in your mind, right? So if you just, and it's very, the answer to that question is relatively simple. There are only two things in your mind. One is this collection of experiences that you've had in your life, right? As you go through life, you have all kinds of experiences. Um, you're buying products, you're using cars, you're watching movies, you know, you're being told what to do and what not to do by your parents, by your friends, and so on. All of these are different human interactions that we have throughout our lives, every day, every moment, which is going into our mind. So that's one thing in our mind is our experiences. The second thing in our mind is our fantasies or our aspirations. So these are things that happened yet that haven't happened yet to us. But at the same time, we spend a lot of time thinking about them and they become parts of our mind. And when I say that our experiences are going into our minds, it's not that the mind or your brain is really recording every minute of your life or every second of your life. Rather, through those experiences, we all have some learnings, we have some wisdom. It is those learnings that we have that are getting stored into our minds as our experiences, right? So what do bonds, what, excuse me, what do brands have to do to form those bonds that you were talking about? So brands have to essentially have messages or some positioning which trigger some of those positive and cherished experiences that are already in your mind or some learnings, right? So if you see a brand and it has a particular message that um, aligns with the learnings that you already have in your mind, then it's going to appeal to you. That brand is going to, you know, uh, appeal to you. So, uh, and that'll happen even through a subconscious process. So for example, you know, many of us have learnings like, um, you know, don't be greedy, for example. You know, we go through life and, you know, and in, in, in the Western civilization or the Western world, we often say, you know, a burden hand is worth two in the bush. Well, what are, you know, what are we really saying that don't get greedy? So this is something that in cognitive science is called a loss aversion bias, which is where you try to keep what you have or you prefer what you have versus what you don't have, right? So brands can um, tap into that um that type of thinking and um have a message which aligns with the idea of uh you know enjoy and be satisfied with what you have or what you can get now which is why you see many of these uh, brands which will have uh, a message around you know what is available today you know when even when people are brands are talking about buy now what they're really tapping into is saying hey this is something that you can have today 
you know, don't wait, get it now because it may not be there in the future. Don't get so greedy and wait for the future because that future may not happen. So it's also called fear of missing out. But these are learnings that we have. Another kind of learning that we have in our minds is uh, something that says the simple answer is always the better answer. That's called the Occam's razor, you know, and it, uh, it basically says when you're faced with a choice, two complicated choices, take the simpler one. It's the better answer. Now that, by the way, is not always true. <laughs> you know, sometimes the simpler answer may be the wrong answer, but nonetheless, it's a learning that we all have in, in, in our mind and therefore it's called the cognitive bias. So many brands, for example, in the US, we have uh, a brand called Staples, which is, which, uh, which is a uh, retail store that sells office supplies. And they came up with a campaign in which they had this big red button, which was called Easy. So it was called the red Easy buttons and it was associated with Staple. And, you know, their whole notion was that, hey, anytime you need office supplies, make your life easy. Just, you know, just go to Staples and everything that you need is there. Don't sit there and make a spreadsheet of hanging file folders and paper clips and this. Just go to Staples and buy what it is. It's a simple answer. So it was that whole notion of tapping into that learning that take the simple answer because it's the better answer. We also had a grocery store here called HEB, which did the same thing, which is that they looked at, um, you know, they looked at, they sell prepared foods, right? So prepared meals. And so they wanted to tell you, hey, your life is already so complex. Why make it any worse? Just take, take prepared food. So, you know, their tagline would be something like, life is crazy, you know, mealtime shouldn't be. And that is how some of the brands are sort of tapping into those learnings these are not new learnings. These are learnings that you already have in mind. And all the brand is doing is it is aligning itself with something that you already believe. So, or in other words, they're tapping into the experiences you have. And that works extremely well. And it is what creates those bonds. Yes, sir. So, sir, in the book, I have also read that uh, you have mentioned something about brand sensation. So, can you please explain what is brand sensation and its essence? Now, brand sensation, so there are actually two things I mentioned in the book. So, one is brand sense, which is how do you make sense of brands, right? And you make sense of brands consciously or subconsciously. So, we some of the things that we just talked about were how you make sense of brands subconsciously. Why? Because those learnings are already there in your mind. And when the brand says something similar, it re resonates with you. The conscious um, uh, uh, brand selection, which is brand sense also, you can make sense of brands consciously when you actually exercise a deliberative process, meaning you reason it out. You know, you compare two choices, you do a spreadsheet or you use logic, you use algorithms, you use math and all of those types of things to say A is a better option than B. But what psychologists have found, by the way, is that you do that only 5% of the time in all the choices that you make in your life. 95% of the time you're choosing subconsciously, which is why that's so important. Now, let me move on to the second type of sensation, which is uh, there's a chapter in the book, which is called Brand Sensations. And that is really about starting to look at um, experiences, brand experiences more broadly, right? It's brands create experiences for you. And if you like those experiences, then you have those 
very strong ties to the brand. To the brand. Now, what I had mentioned earlier was that everything that is in our mind is really our perception of reality, which is coming through our senses, right? So it is what you hear, it's what you see, you know, it's what you smell, it's what you touch, all of these five different senses that we commonly uh, associate humans as having are providing inputs into our brain. And so when you are a brand marketer, you have to sort of think very explicitly and very strategically after all of these, about all of these senses, right? And design your brand experiences to be um, appealing to those different senses. So in the United States, for example, we have some fashion brands um, like Burberry, which is a British brand, but it is very famous and very big uh, in the United States as well. And I live in Chicago. And if you go to the Burberry store in uh, on Michigan Avenue, which is like the most popular avenue here in, uh, in uh, Chicago, in the main city, um, you see the Burberry store and it has all these patterns on it, which are called the tartan patterns, which are very specific to the way that brand presents itself. Those patterns are very particular to that brand. And so just visually, you see that. When you enter the store, you know, they have um, piped in very special smells and so on, right, which give you a positive association and which are connected to that, to that brand. So in that sense, they are trying to manage the music, manage the, um, the smells, manage the visual colors that you see, uh, which make you attached to those uh, brands. And then what happens is that your experience of that brand becomes stronger because it's not just the message that the brand is giving to you. It's all of those other things which are tied to your five senses, which are associated so closely with those brands. So as a brand marketer, you have to very explicitly think about not just your product, but you know how it's going to look, how's it going to feel, how onto the touch, how's it going to smell, and what is that environment in which uh, people are um, interacting with your brand? All of those things become very important, and that's why that aspect of creating brand experiences is what I call brand sensations. Wow, so so I just love the way you explained the brand sensation to us. Um, so, so I think we have uh, talked a lot about the strategic part of branding using the brain science. Now, please, can you tell me what are the challenges one might face while applying the strategies in the real world? Yeah. So, I mean, the book is actually, um, I would say it in, on one hand, it articulates a new philosophy of branding. Okay. So in that sense, it's philosophy. On the other hand, the book is very practical in terms of what you need to do, uh, because it is based on my experiences, it's based on the experiences of my company, rather, I should say, in actually designing real world brands. Um, so if you are a um, brand marketer, or if you're a marketer, and you've got, or even, you know, you could be a small business owner, that's you know, an entrepreneur that's uh, introducing a new product and what have you, right? And in India, we have so many entrepreneurs, great entrepreneurs that day, uh, uh, these days. But what you have to do, and what I recommend to people in terms of using this book in the most practical way, 
is to actually just read one chapter a day because there's a lot of content in this book and it's very different from what you learn in the standard business school. If you go to IIM or if you go to Harvard or whatever, what they're going to teach you about branding is, is kind of, I would say now 20 years old or 30 years old. And this is the new stuff that is there and it's still not being taught in business schools. So you really have to take this book, read a chapter and then just take a break, you know, each time just read one chapter, take a break and see how the principles that are discussed in the book, how they would apply um, to your brand. You know, you do a podcast here, you do a webcast here, you know, you could read a chapter in this book and say, hey, my product is this webcast and how would these principles apply to that, right? So we talked about brand sensation you could say, hey, you know, what, what are people seeing? You know, what's the color of my shirt? What is the color of the background? What is, what are the patterns on the background? And, you know, what kind of impact and what message are those things conveying to people, right? So once you start thinking those broadly like that, then you can start applying the principles of the book to how you could do things very differently. And that's why I really advocate people, read one chapter, think about how it applies to you, then read the next one. Cool, sir. Uh, so, sir, uh, so here is a little bit information for our listeners that uh, Sandeep, sir, has helped Pediasure to become a global blockbuster. So, sir, can you please share with us uh, how you exactly helped Pediasure to become a global blockbuster? Uh, certainly, yeah. And I think uh, in this case, my company, Serenity, worked very closely with uh, marketers at uh, and Abbott, some very brilliant marketers at Abbott who were running the international nutrition business. And, um, you know, we were working with them and the product historically used to be, you know, a children's nutrition product. So for those of your viewers uh, that don't know what Pediasure is, Pediasure is kind of like a nutrition product for children that are one to 10 years old. And what it does is it's kind of, kind of like a powder or it also comes in liquid form, powder or liquid form. Mostly in the developing countries, it is sold in powder form. Um, and you, when you mix it with water, you can turn it into something that looks like a chocolate milkshake or a vanilla milkshake. It's pretty tasty. I've, you know, I've had this stuff. It's pretty, tastes pretty good. And you can drink it. A child can drink it. Uh, and they will get all the nutrition that they need you know, from a scientific basis, all the nutrition that they need is they can have if they had uh, that drink two or three times a day. So historically, that product was used for children who were not able to eat, it's really sick kids who, who could not eat. And so it was uh, mainly available in hospitals. And then when we talked to Abbott, they were very interested in seeing if this product could actually be more generally available to people that are normal, not sick, you know, children that are normal that uh, want to get better nutrition. But it's very hard to sort of convince people that, hey, something that's really a hospital kind of like a medicine, that you should just take a medicine even when you don't need it. But um, so we did a lot of research and we started looking around the markets and we found that uh, in the world, there was a particular country, which was Indonesia, which was doing really well with this product. And when we started diving deeper, we went to Indonesia, my teams, and we started diving deeper into, you know, what they were doing. Ultimately, you know, long story short, the long story is in the book, you should, you can read it there, but the long story short, what we discovered is 
that, um, or the rather I should say we, when I say we discovered, I mean the Abbott marketers um, and us working together, we discovered that um, uh, what moms, if you take a typical mother, young mother, um, they are very diffident about themselves that, you know, they always feel like their kids are not eating well, right? They all feel like the kids are what they call picky eaters. And it's almost a universal phenomena. There's only, I'm going to say there's maybe only 10% of moms who, who think their kids eat really well. 90% of them believe that their kids don't eat well, you know, nutritious food. Even if they're eating a lot of food, they're eating the wrong kind of stuff. You know, they're eating hot dogs or hamburgers, but they're not eating the green vegetables and so on. So moms are generally very concerned that their kids are picky eaters. Once we picked up that insight that that was what was inside the minds of women subconsciously, then we sort of tapped into that learning. And we said, look, if you supplement whatever they're eating, it doesn't matter if they're eating hot dogs or you know hamburgers or whatever they're eating. And as long as they supplement that with Pediasure, they're gonna get all the possible nutrition that they, they need and their development is therefore going to be normal, whether it's physical development or mental development. So Pediasure became a brand, brand which moms with kids who were picky eaters could use to ensure that their development, mental and physical development could continue to be normal. And then, you know, lots of television campaigns and things were done around that. And the brand really took off, you know, not just, uh, it was kind of a replication of the Indonesia model, but the brand uh, basically took off all over the world. And we did some experiments first in Mexico where the brand was not that successful. And then we introduced this new strategy and the brand just like took off like a rocket. It went from being a $5 million brand to a, um, I don't know, uh, something like a several, you know, $200 million brand in a relatively short time frame. And uh, so that's, uh, that's what the PDA Shore story was. It was a really a perfect example of tapping into the subconscious thoughts that uh, moms already had. And meanwhile, still getting a great product out to kids who could, you know, who could really benefit from that nutrition. So, sir, uh, now we are we are moving towards the end of the podcast. So, sir, uh, would you like to talk about uh, the future of applying brain science to marketing industry? Yeah, yeah, we, you know, um, so I think in the future, brain science, uh, which, by the way, is being used in many different fields already, right, in uh, public policy and economics to guide people in investments and so on. It, this is becoming bigger and bigger, and, and there is no doubt that it's going to continue to get bigger, specifically in the marketing area, but also in everything else around personal branding, personal choice, all of those types of things are going to be influenced by our understanding of the brain. And there is almost a very interesting, um, I would say, dynamic that's going on in the marketplace right now, which is that as with the growth of the internet and all of that stuff, on one hand, consumers are getting very powerful, right? Because anytime you want to buy a product, you can look up its reviews, you can see what other people are saying about it, you can post your own reviews and so on. So, you know, in that sense, consumers are um, having a lot more control over the information that they can access. You know, it's not just coming from the marketers. In the past, it used to just come from the marketers, but now consumers are getting very powerful. Um, on the other hand, 
marketers too are getting very powerful because of this new understanding from brain science. We have, we are every day having a greater and greater understanding of how the human mind works. And in that sense, we are also able to influence people subconsciously. And so you have these two tectonic forces where consumers are getting more control as well as marketers are getting a better and better understanding of how to influence consumers. And so the future of the marketing is going to lie in, uh, uh, in you know, managing these two forces in a proper and a proper and an ethical way. Um, I think uh, marketers themselves, marketers themselves have to, you know, have the responsibility of educating themselves because all this new knowledge is, is forming on almost on a weekly and a daily basis. So, you know, marketers have to be on their toes. They can't sit back with, you know, things that they learned 10 years back or even five years back. They got to be diving into these things um, and learning all of these things on a continuous basis so that they can shape the future. So future of marketing uh, certainly uh, is there. I think uh, future of marketing is also going to be in other interesting things like, uh, um, um, you know, for example, that we were talking about brand sensations and we tend to talk about uh, senses as being the five senses that humans have. But in fact, actually five senses are what most people are aware of, but we have even more senses than that. We have a sense of balance, for example. We have a sense of orientation, for example. So people argue that there are actually uh, up to 14 senses that humans have. So really understanding all of those things is, is important. We have a sense of acceleration. So, you know, certainly if you were uh, a car manufacturer, you know, managing people's sense of acceleration, you know, right when the car goes really fast, that sense that you get that you're moving really fast and picking up speed, all of those things are important. When you're flying in an airplane, you know, airplanes are capable of taking off faster. They're capable of taking off at higher angles, but it would scare the heck out of you. So, you know, they have to manage that brand experience and recognize that you have balance sensors, you have acceleration sense. So marketers are going to continue to get more wise about these things. And technology is going to give you new kinds of senses. You know, they're going to activate new kinds of senses in you, which will be in the future very important. The third thing that I think is already going to start being important in marketing is the metaverse, right? Which is, uh, you know, we know that Facebook renamed itself to be meta because they think metaverse is going to be so big. But, you know, remember that once you wear those uh, virtual reality headgear, you're in a different world. And right now that's in a very nascent stage in the sense that the pictures and all are, you know, like what the early video games used to be, you know, very comical pictures and so on. But you can see how much video games have changed. You know, they look a lot more real now than they used to look 15 years back. So if you fast forward 10 years from now, when you wear that headgear, you're going to be in an alternate reality, which looks exactly like the reality that you see with your own eyes when you're not wearing your headgear you know so you could be sitting on the moon for example and really feeling like you're on the moon and so that is obviously going to create a whole different world in um in uh, in the virtual space which brand marketers have to uh, manage 
Um, and so, uh, and, and they've already started doing that. You know, you know that uh, marketers uh, and brands are selling NFTs. They're buying up virtual real estate in the metaverse because they don't want to be left behind and so on. They don't want to find out later on that all the real estate in the metaverse is gone and they can't set up a store. So marketers are already working on all of those things, but the metaverse, um, artificial senses and all of these types of things, the under precision, continuing blueprinting of the human mind. These are all things that are going to have a huge impact in the way that marketers market and brand uh, wow sir that was some great insight now moving forward to my last question of the podcast which is when to read branding between the ears yeah so when to read the branding between the ears so i would maybe answer the question uh, herschel in two different ways so one is that, you know, brands is something that we are all so connected with, right? We all buy products, we all buy cars, we all buy ice cream, you know, no matter what you do, brands are always there around you. And if you ever wanted to understand, you know, what is your relationship with brands? Because, you know, all of us feel very strongly about certain brands or whether we love them or we hate them, we're not indifferent to them. And we all watch television commercials with great interest. So I think you know, for anyone that's interested in that whole dynamic of their relationship with the brands, I think they can read this book and it's very much written in a way that um, they can understand this book, even if they're not branding experts. So that's one. The second thing is that if you're someone that has been struggling with your brand, you know, you have a brand and it's not doing so well, or you have a brand that you want to take in a new different direction, or you're an entrepreneur and you're launching a new brand, this book is very much for you because like I said, you can sort of look at how you can refresh or you can really, um, you can more innovatively position your brand in a way to capture the the maximum number of consumers or to attract maximum number of consumers or to um, expand your audience. So this book will give you ways to think about your brand uh, that you haven't thought of before. Um, and that's where it can be really important for those marketers. Oh, uh, thank you so much, Sandeep, sir. So uh, thank you. Uh, thanks for coming on the show and sharing your experience and wisdom with us. Uh, so, sir, before signing off, please, can you tell our listeners that how can they connect with you and uh, how can they grab a copy of Branding Between the Years? So, yes, the book is available um, in stores as well as in uh, on Amazon. I think Amazon might be the easiest way to get it. Um, the book is called Right Between the Years, Using Brain Science to Build Epic Brands. And uh, the other thing that people can do is they can uh, find me on my author website, which is uh, sandeepdayal.com, all one word, sandeepdayal.com. And you can get a free chapter of the book there as well as uh, see the blogs and uh, sign up to receive emails and things like that. So, or send me an email. So all of those, that information is there on sandeepdayal.com. Well, uh, so thank you so much once again, sir, for this wonderful session. And I will mention the buy link of the book in the description down below, as well as uh, your author's website where people can connect with you. Thank you Great, so much. Thank sir. you. No, I enjoyed uh, being on your show. Hope this uh, works out. Thank you so much, sir. So, until then, happy reading, branding between the years. Bye bye.
Alrighty. Take care. Bye.